Welcome to the Fremont Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. We are a family of believers who meet in Fremont, Indiana every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We are attempting to follow Jesus by loving God and loving people. If you would like to support Fremont Community Church, go to www.fremontcommunity.org. that's it. Yes? All right, great. Let's pray, and then we can move on to our sermon for today. Holy Spirit, I just sense your presence so sweetly in this room. Would you soften our hearts? Prepare us hear you. Lord, my request this morning, as always, is that your people would hear your voice, that you would speak through the things that I am about to say, and that I would decrease and you would increase in this house, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, we have been talking about spiritual gifts for the last three weeks. This is week four of our spiritual gifts uh, series. I'm not sure if this is going to be the last week or if, or if we have one more week left. Um, but uh, we're coming to the end of the spiritual gifts series for Sunday mornings. I will say Wednesday nights we are doing a much more in-depth verse-by-verse exploration of what the New Testament has to say about spiritual gifts. These Sunday morning sermons have been much more of an overview, just kind of a, and you're thinking four weeks isn't much of an overview, but trust me, it is. And, uh, and the Wednesday nights, um, we, we are going in much more, and we, are, we still have quite a few weeks in front of us. Uh, in, in, in that study, so I don't even have any idea how many more. But we are spending the time we need to spend to unpack every verse in the New Testament, or the, at least the most prominent ones, that deal with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I would love for you to join us for that if you're interested in this topic. So last week, okay, so the first week we talked about building a relationship with this mysterious person that is called the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God of very God, proceeding from both the Son and the Father, as the church fathers told us. He is as much God as the Father is and as much God as Jesus is. And He is the one that Jesus sent to us. Or actually, the, well, Jesus says the Father sent Him to us, but Jesus asked the Father to send Him to us. On the day of Pentecost, and He inhabits our lives, He lives within us, and we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so I encouraged you that first Sunday, and I've been trying to encourage you every Sunday since, to build a relationship with this wonderful person, the Holy Spirit. And He truly is wonderful. Last night, uh, uh, in a dream, the Holy Spirit 
ministered to me in a dream and just spoke really lovely, encouraging words to me in a dream. And I woke up just saying, I love you so much. It was such, it was a very interesting dream, and I'm still trying to uh, figure out everything that, uh, that, that he said to me last night, but it was deeply encouraging and refreshing, and I woke up this morning not exhausted, as I sometimes do when I wake up in the morning. I woke up refreshed and ready to go because I had had an encounter with this beautiful person, the Holy Spirit. I would, I would encourage you, as you lay your head down at night, to say, hey, Holy Spirit, I give these next few hours to you, whatever you want to do with them. And maybe he'll talk to you and maybe he won't, but at least open the door and say, Holy Spirit, I'm here. I'd love to hear from you tonight. Um, I've definitely had some, some powerful encounters with Holy Spirit in the night watch, as we call it, um, in my dreams, which might mean just that I'm getting older because it says young men will see visions, but old men will dream dreams and so maybe that's what that is about. But, but I would say, I would, I, would, I would encourage you to invite him. The next week, we talked about what it looks like to partner with the Holy Spirit and how he, has, how he gives us gifts to deliver to the body so that we are walking in, it, in a partnership with the Holy Spirit every time, everywhere that we go, every day, and, and all the different things that we do. So that's always... that's. And that is the next level of relationship with Him. We start by just having a conversation with the Holy Spirit, but then the next level is keeping an ear open to the Holy Spirit all the time so that when He wants us to do things, whether it's in a church service or whether it's out there on the street, we can say, yes, Holy Spirit, and with fear and trembling we can do that. And when we do that, that is when the gifts of the Spirit are released, whether it's prophecy of words of wisdom or words of knowledge, miracles, healing. You never know. Discernment. For more information, see our Wednesday night classes. Then last week, we talked about how to deliver the gifts of the Spirit. How to deliver the gifts of the Spirit. And that was in love. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of love, and we deliver His gifts in love and with love. The Apostle Paul makes extremely clear that the gifts of the Spirit without love are useless and sometimes dangerous when we don't operate in, a, in love for Jesus and for the body. So this week, we are going to talk about how do we receive the gifts of the Spirit when they come. And I don't mean receive them to give them to someone else. I mean we're in the situation where someone comes up to us and says... I have a word from God for you, or I feel like I should pray for you because you've been sick, or I feel like I'm supposed to give you this financial gift or to help you in some other way. All of those can be gifts of the Spirit. And we as people need to learn how to receive those appropriately. And that might seem weird. Well, what do you mean I have to learn how to receive a gift? Well, you know, you should be gracious when you receive a gift. How many of you have ever given a gift to a small child and had them go, eh, and just throw it, right? You know, they open up that thing on Christmas morning and it's socks and they're like, socks! And just throw it away. Right? When adults know that when someone has been kind enough to give you a gift, even if it's nothing you ever would have bought for yourself, you should at least be like, wow, thank you. Right? And then you can sell it on eBay later or whatever you're going to do. Uh, there is a way to properly receive the gifts. There's a way to operate in love 
in the giving of those gifts, and there's a way to operate in love in the receiving of those gifts as well. Okay, because God has given different gifts by His Spirit to the different people in the body of Christ. And it's one thing to be bold enough and have enough faith to say, I'm going to go and I'm going to give this gift from God to somebody in the congregation. That's exciting. But if that person refuses to receive it, or if they are weird about receiving it, ah, that can totally ruin everything, can it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you with me? This is yes. This is no. We have to learn how to love by both giving and receiving gifts. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Okay, so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. You see, in, first, in the last part of 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul begins to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the whole point of the gifts moving through human beings is that Jesus wants the body to begin to be connected to one another and to care for each other. And so he gives gifts to different people so that there's not just one person doing all the caring, all the ministering, all the whatever, that we're ministering to one another and that way we are connected to one another. It is a way that God chooses to bring unity to the body by spreading his gifts out to the whole body so that as each of us follow God in partnership with the Holy Spirit, we're ministering to each other. And let me say this to you. Operating the gifts of the Holy Spirit, once you get past that initial awkwardness, is really fun. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It is. When the Lord gives you a word for someone, right? And this is the thing I have the most experience with. There's a lot of other gifts, but I have the most experience with, with God giving a word to someone. When the Lord gives you a word from someone, and it, at first you're super nervous. You're like, oh, I think I'm right, but maybe I'm not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is a word for them. Maybe I just had pizza weird last night. Oh, I don't even know. And then you walk over and, <laughs> and then you're like, I think God has a word for you, but maybe not. I'm not sure. I really don't know. That level of humility is actually really good. Just keep that. Okay? Just keep that. Keep that level of humility. I, want, I really feel like God has said something to me for you, so uh, I'm going to give this to you, and, and I just want you to, to take it and test it, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, because that's a part of receiving the gifts as well. But then you start giving that word, and all of a sudden you see the person, and you, were, you heard the Lord right, <laughs> and they're like, or, or like, wow, or like, you know, all of a sudden you see, oh my goodness, that was really God that spoke to me. And this is a direct word. Oh my goodness, this is so exciting. And it begins you really excited because you're like, wow, God used me. <laughs> That's so cool. It's so much fun. It really is. It's really scary at first, but then when you, when you get some comfort with it, it becomes really, really fun to, to be used by the Holy Spirit in that way. One of the things that I really enjoy doing that we've done a couple times in this church, and we really need to do more. And I I, uh, I'm, I'm really wanting to do this soon, Karen, so get ready. But I wanted to do another, another prophetic day uh, here at, at uh, Fremont Community. And um, we did this a few years ago where we had teachers that were teaching on how to operate in the prophetic gift. And then, but we also had 
in the super church room in there, we had a team of people who are mature and 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 used to using the prophetic gifts who were sitting in there and you would sign up for a time to go in and sit and they would pray and anything the Lord said to them over you they would say it and and we were recording that the whole time and then we would give you the CD of whatever it was that the Lord had said which was really cool right it was really cool and I know that we did when we did it last time some people got some really powerful words uh, from the spirit from that and I love doing that, and I love, doing, I love being a part of that prophetic ministry team because once you kind of get tuned into the Holy Spirit, it's like, it's like not difficult at all. Like as soon as people come in, you're going, yeah, this is what the Lord, I mean, it just boom, 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 boom. It just becomes this great place. And you're like, Jesus, you really love these people. You really know them really well. This is so much fun. And you begin to really, you get to sense the Lord's passion for his people. And you begin to say, wow, this is so cool that the Lord would know what was going on in their lives. It's so much fun. But when we're on the receiving end, we need to learn how to receive with love. And it begins by receiving with humility and with gratitude. Okay? Humility and gratitude. It's often the humility part comes in because in receiving, sometimes receiving a gift is a little humiliating. Have you been there? I remember when Rachel and I were first married and we were just barely scraping by financially. And we went and we had Christmas and, the, and our, our families were extremely generous and they were giving us like uh, grocery gift cards and, and, and stuff like that. And I remember getting really feeling a little humiliated like the fact that we needed that. Uh, but we really did need it. And so it was both ministering to me like, yes, thank you so much. But it was also, I also felt a little ashamed because I was receiving this from someone. And sometimes I see that in the eyes of some of the folks that come to the food pantry sometimes. And I really never want anyone ever to feel that way because we just love them. and We just want to give them whatever, whatever, whatever we can. And, and so we do, you know, Melissa does an amazing job of, of creating a... Uh, an environment here that, that, that tries to avoid any feeling of shame or, or humiliation at all because we just love these folks. We just want to bless them, right? But to receive a gift sometimes can feel a little humiliating. And, and let me say this to you, especially gentlemen, okay? We have to learn how to ask for help and to receive help when it's offered. Now, this is true of you ladies, too, but I think generally, generally, it is harder for men to receive help than it is for women. And that's part of because we were raised to, to give status to ourselves by being self-reliant, and I don't need help from anyone, which is why men never ask for directions. Are you with me? And I have taught my children, my, my boys, boys, you don't ask the guy at the store where stuff is. You just don't do that. You don't do that, son. Men don't do that. We wander around aimlessly for hours. We never ask for directions. It's important that you understand. When it comes to the body of Christ, we need to be able to be humble enough to say, I need some help. We need to be humble enough to receive help when it comes. 
especially, like I said, especially thin. We don't want to be seen as weak, so we pretend that we don't need anyone or anything. We're just fine. But that's not how God set up this body. That's not how God set up the church. We're meant to minister to one another in love and the power of the Holy Spirit. And to do that, we also have to allow others to serve us. So if someone feels led to bless you in some way, just allow them to do so. How many times have I gone someplace or I've been somewhere and somebody went to like hand me a gift or maybe they were going to pay for my meal or something like that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And, and I've, actually, I've had people look at me and say, don't steal my blessing. Because it's a blessing for them to be generous. In the, that, that is, they're exercising a gift of the Holy Spirit in that moment. A gift of generosity. And so it's like, okay, I'll receive it for your sake. We need to learn how to do that. 1 Corinthians 12, 21. So the, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You see, when we, when we undervalue someone else's gift that they're wanting to bring, we're robbing them of the ability to partner with the Holy Spirit. And we're robbing ourselves of the gift that they were supposed to bring us. Does that make sense? We are putting a, a blockage in the way of the flow of the grace of God by our pride, because that's what it is. Not allowing someone to bless you or not asking for help when you need it are both manifestations of pride. And we are stopping the flow of the gifts of the Holy Spirit when we don't tell people we're not feeling well so they can't pray for us. When we don't let people know we have a need in a specific area that we ourselves don't know how we're going to meet it, but it's there. When we don't ask for help. Now, there are definitely people that go to the other end of the spectrum and they're constantly asking for help 24 hours a day. You know, and they're just ridiculously needy. And, 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 and you know what? We're not supposed to do that either. Let's find a happy middle ground where when we have an actual need that we're expressing that to the body, and they're able to respond. Now, when they, when they aren't able to respond, we're not going to be offended because it's, it's up to the Lord to take care of us. But when we, express a need to, but when we have a need, we should express it to the body if for no other reason than they can pray for us. That's really important. If you need help or desire someone's help, ask. Jesus was really clear about this. Jesus was absolutely clear about this. If you want help from someone or if you need help in your life, you need to learn to ask. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Did you think that verse was only about prayer? It's not just about prayer. It's about operating as a community of people who love each other. So when we have a need, we should ask. I know that's a hard thing for us to do. It really is. It's a difficult thing to do. But we need to learn how to do it. Because when we ask, Jesus says, that's when we'll receive. 
When we seek, that's when we'll find. When we knock, the door will be open. If we're just frozen, well, Jesus knows my needs, so I'm not going to say anything. That is exactly the opposite of what Jesus told us to do. By the way, that's word for word in the book of Luke as well, almost the exact same phrase. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. We need to learn how to do it. And do not expect other people to just magically know that you have a need. We can't read your mind. We can't. And we should all be watching each other, you know, be, be careful. And if you notice that there's a need, then you should do what you can to meet that need. We don't want to be the religious guy that walked right around the, the person that was beat up and then the Samaritan came and helped him. We don't want to be that guy. We want to be the ones that help people when help is needed, when we see that. But at the same time, we shouldn't walk around assuming everybody knows that we need help. And I say this to you, one of the most destructive things in any relationship, whether it's friendship, romantic relationships, or family, are unexpressed expectations. unexpressed expectations. You might be saying, what does this have to do with the gifts of the Spirit? Absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. Because we need to learn how to receive the gifts when they come. Ask for prayer, ask for advice, ask for help of whatever kind that you need. These are, we are, you are allowed to ask. Because we're your family. Do you think your finger thinks twice about asking the rest of your body for help? Of course it doesn't. When you stub your toe, what happens to the rest? Your whole body responds. When you step on a Lego in bare feet, your whole body responds. Amen? Ah, right? That's what happens. Because it's one, we are one body. We are one organism. We are connected to each other. And if something is harming you, it's harming me. And there are... Do you know how leprosy works? This is something I found out a few years ago, and I was not aware of this. I used to think, when I was a kid, that leprosy was a disease that would just make your fingers and toes fall off. How many of you are with me there? Anybody? Nobody? You all know exactly how leprosy works, except for me. Okay, well, I guess I just missed that day in school. Okay, no, the way leprosy works is it kills the nerves to your, to your skin so that you become numb. And when you become numb, you can do re repetitive damage to that part of your body and never know it. So like bed sores, like, you know, that's why we limp because... You know, this part of our body is weaker, than, and so the rest of our body is being strong for that part of our body. But when, when we don't have an, a connection to that part of our body, then we just keep on walking on that broken leg, and we don't ever know it, and it begins to get infected, etc. And then, yes, it has to be removed. But it's much more, it happens much more often to, often to the extremities, etc. I, I only know about this because I read a book by a guy who had run a leper colony in India. Yes, that still exists unfortunately. 
And they would, and this is terrible, I'm sorry about this, but like they would have rodents like gnaw toes off in the middle of the night and they would never know because they couldn't feel it because they have leprosy. When one body does, one, one part of the body does not speak to the rest of the body and does not know, let the rest of the body know that it has a need, that is a bad thing, not a good thing. Does that make sense? Okay. Be like if you had a, a major leg break and you've got your femur sticking out of your skin and you're just like, that's okay, doc, just shoot me up with some Novocaine, I'm going to keep on walking. Would that work? Even if you could no longer feel the pain, there is still something really wrong. We shouldn't be like that because we're one body. We have to learn how to receive. We have to learn how to ask. We need to learn how to be grateful when someone loves us enough to try and help, even if their efforts are not what we would have asked for. That's the hardest one. That's the hardest one. When people, you know, sign up to bring meals to the house, and you're like, that's so gracious of them, but oh Lord, are they going to be good or not? You know what I'm talking about? Come on now, let's all be honest. Amen. We need to be gracious, right? Receive the gift that people want to bring to you because it's an expression of love and it's a, it's a flow of grace from them into your life. And that's a beautiful thing, even if you're not going to eat any of it. Okay. We're going to move on to a very specific area of learning how to receive, and that has to do with receiving words from the Lord. Okay, when someone gives a prophetic word either to you personally or to the body of Christ, or to the nation, what are we supposed to do? The Bible is extremely clear to tell us what we're supposed to do in those moments. It tells us over and over again, but my favorite version of this was in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. It says this, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. I'm going to read it again. Do not quench, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19 through 21. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. When I was oh, I don't know, 15 or 16 years old. Uh, I was raised in a Pentecostal church, an Assembly of God church, First Assembly of God in Fort Wayne, Indiana. My dad was the pastor there from 1978 until 2020, or, tw or 19 maybe. And I grew up in that church. I don't remember any other church until I moved away after Rachel and I got married. I had never attended another church. That was my home church. And in that church, there was, and still is to this day, a vibrant prophetic community and tradition. Groups of people who are learning how to hear from the Lord and deliver prophetic words correctly 
and how to process those words when they come. But that prophetic community was forged over time and by some good pastoring by my dad. And that is not always easy thing to do to pastor the prophetic. And there was a moment when I was 15 or 16 years old, and we were all in church, just like a Sunday morning like this. And we had just finished service. Excuse me. <coughs> we had just finished service. Or we had just finished worship, I should say. And a woman that none of us knew got up. And um, the way that it works there, or at least the way that it did, I don't know, I haven't been there in five years, but the way that it used to work there was... Um, if a prophetic word was to be brought to the body, they would bring it up to the pastor at the front and they would discuss it with the pastor. And if the pastor felt like whoever that pastor was, sometimes it was dad, sometimes it was me, sometimes it was somebody else. And they would talk to them about it and they would say, yeah, okay, this is a good time. And yeah, I think that is what the Holy Spirit's saying. And so they would release this word. And there was a microphone front and center. This is a pretty big room um, that you were supposed to go and to use to deliver that word. And this woman walks up she didn't talk to anybody, but she walked up and she grabbed the mic and she turns around and she's looking at the body and she says, I'm here to deliver a prophetic word. I am the servant of the Lord. So hear his word. And we're all like, okay, we don't know you, lady, but okay. And she says, Pastor Ron has sinned against the Lord. He has not done what the Holy Spirit told him to do. And because of that, from this day forward, he will be both dumb and blind until he repents and does what the Lord has called him to do. Can you imagine? Well, I'm seated somewhere in that general vicinity, and I'm like, And my dad was actually stand. He had actually come up to the pulpit while she was speaking, and he's standing behind the pulpit. And this was one of those moments that I will never ever forget because what I saw was an incredible, incredibly wise pastoral decision that he made in that moment. Because a lot of pastors would have got on the microphone and said, you horrible person, that's it. Get out of here. We cast you out in the name of Jesus. Right? Like they would have just freaked out on this lady. There's a lot of pastors that would have done that. I'm not. And a lot of church members that would have been like, that's right. Get her out of here. Burn the witch. Right? I mean, that's what they would have done. I'm not kidding. There's a lot of pastors and a lot of church members that would have been totally okay with treating someone that way. My dad did not do that. He got up. And he waited for a moment, which scared all of us because he wasn't speaking and she had said he was going to be dumb. <laughs> We're all like. But he was waiting. And then he just simply said this. Heavenly Father, I stand before you this morning. I am not aware of any way that I have disobeyed you, but if I have, I ask you to show me my error, and I ask you to forgive me for my sin. And then we waited for a few minutes, and then he said, ma'am, 
the way that you delivered that word was out of order, but I would invite you to have a seat and we can have a conversation about it after church. That is it. And I remember thinking, I remember sitting in the pew, and at the time I did not know that I was called to be a pastor, but I was like, that's how you do that. Right? He was following 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. He was following, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. That's what he was doing. He was following that. He was not despising what this woman had claimed to be a prophetic utterance. And so he wasn't immediately, just because he didn't like what she said, he wasn't immediately going to say, you're out of order, get out of here. No, he, he, he waited. And he, said, and he said, here I am, Lord. And he was humble enough to say, if I have committed a sin that I am not aware of, Lord, please forgive me. Help me to know what it is. And then in order to teach the church that both prophetic words should be, should be heard and tested, he invited her to a further conversation very kindly and graciously. That's what it looks like to receive the gifts in love, even when this wasn't a word from the Holy Spirit, because obviously he could still see and he, was not, and he could speak just fine. Her word was proved wrong, but he didn't condemn her or run her out on a rail he humbled himself before God. And because of that kind of an environment, the prophetic, the gifts of the prophetic are able to operate with wisdom at that church to this day. Dad has told me many times that that moment he received a, a word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit on how to do that because in his flesh he would have just called for the ushers to just carry her out. But he didn't do that. We need to learn how to be humble, but we need to test prophetic words that come. Okay? Test everything by these three things. Number one, the Word of God. Okay? Here's the three ways that we test a prophetic word that someone brings to you, that you read online, that you see on YouTube, or that, you know, gets spoken in a church. You need to test it, test it these three ways, okay? Number, by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and by the people of God. Okay, those are the three ways that we test prophetic utterance. By the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and by the people of God, the Word of God. It's pretty simple. Does this line up with what the Bible says? If someone brings a prophetic word and says, the Lord says we're supposed to stop worshiping Jesus and start worshiping Celine Dion, that does not line up with what the Bible says. As tempting as that sounds, that is not what the Bible says. I don't know why I picked Celine Dion. It just came out. Um, that's not what the Bible says. So we can immediately say, that's not a prophetic utterance, and move on. Now, a person my, if I'm in a pastoral position over the person that told us to worship Celine Dion, I need to have a further conversation with that person and say, hey, let's talk. Um, I don't think that was the Lord. And we need to figure out what's going on here. Okay? Because I still love this person. I still care about this person. Okay? That's testing it by the Word of God. The other thing that I would say about that is, does it sound like something Jesus would have said? You see, Jesus is the perfect revelation of the Father. 
And if it doesn't sound like something Jesus would have said, then we really should question whether or not that was a word from God. Now, I want to, be, I want to say something quickly to you, though. Because a lot of times we think of Jesus as just being the super nice guy who never said anything controversial to anyone, and that's just not true. Jesus regularly called people on the carpet. He regularly rebuked people. And almost everything Jesus said was controversial. So does this sound like Jesus does not equal was it nice? I've thought about writing a book called called Jesus is not a nice guy. (laughs) Karen's already worried about me just from saying that. But if you look at the things that Jesus was incredibly loving... But he wasn't always, and he was always kind, but he wasn't always nice. And there's a difference between being loving and kind and being nice. As the church, we need to learn that difference. When we need to say hard things to folks. And it's not easy to do, it's really difficult sometimes. But we still need to learn how to do it. So, does it sound like Jesus? And the third thing I would say is is there hope? In it. Even if they're saying something bad, like the Lord has seen you in the midst of this addiction that you're in, and He is calling you out of it. Even if it's something bad that, they've, that they are saying to you, is there hope in it? Is there a way out? Is repentance available? Because if it is, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit only ever reveals things so He can heal things. The Holy Spirit only ever brings things to our attention so that He can do something about them. That's how it works. That's how the Holy Spirit operates, because He cares about you. So if someone's delivering a prophetic word saying, you're going to die, and nothing good's ever going to happen to you, and you're a horrible person, and that's it. That's not the Holy Spirit. But if the Lord says to you, you're on a bad path, and if you stay on this path, you're going to die, but you can get off this path right now if you would. That might be a word from the Spirit. Because there's hope offered. There's a chance. There's a way out. Does that make sense? So, that's testing things by the Word of God. By the Spirit of God. When I say tested by the Spirit of God, what I'm saying to you is, take this back to the Holy Spirit, who was, who was there saying was the source of this Word, and check with Him. Was that you? And if you've listened to this sermon series at all, then you should have begun a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you can begin to ask Him, was that you, Holy Spirit, or am I just, I don't, that didn't feel right to me. The other thing you should be doing is asking Him, okay, so that was a word from you, how do I respond to that word? What are you wanting me to do now, Holy Spirit? How do I respond to what I just heard? And he'll help you know. He'll help you to see. And the last thing is, is this something the Holy Spirit was already saying to you before now? Before this word was delivered to you? Because about 85 to 90% of the time, I'm making up those numbers, about 85 to 90% of the time when someone delivers a prophetic word to you, it is, it is just a confirmation of what the Holy Spirit has already been saying. Most of the time, when I, when I receive a prophetic word, it is 
confirmation. The Holy Spirit's already been talking to me about it, and it's been stirring around on my insides. And now he sends somebody else to say, you know what you're hearing from the Holy Spirit right now? Yeah, that's him. I'm confirming that's him. And you go, okay, whew. Now I know that that's really you, God, because you sent somebody to confirm it. If somebody comes out of the clear blue sky and tells you something you have not heard from the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean it's not him, but I, I, that just takes the, the level of, of, I'm not sure this is him, up another notch. Does that make sense? If you weren't already hearing something to that effect, you, that's, you definitely need to pray on it longer, spend more time with it. And then finally, the people of God. So test it by the Word of God, test it by the Spirit of God, and now test it by the people of God. You've got friends all around you right now who love you and who love Jesus. Somebody gives you a prophetic word and you're not sure about it, and it does, and, but it passes the Word of God test, and it seems to sound like what the Holy Spirit might say to you, then take it to somebody who you have a good relationship with and that you trust and say, hey, I heard this the other day from this prophetic messenger. Can you help me? Is this a real word from God? Do you, what do you think about this? And let them give you some wisdom as to that thing. Does that make sense? Okay? If it doesn't pass any of those three tests, then you can just put it on a shelf and say, well, they were wrong. And the last thing I want to say right now is we need to talk about the difference between a false prophet and a mistaken prophet. Okay? A false prophet and a mistaken prophet. Here in recent history, there were a lot of people that prophesied that President Trump was going to win a second consecutive term to office, which did not happen. Didn't happen. So a lot of people, and these are prominent prophetic voices in the church have had, have, oops, they were mistaken. Does that mean, and I've had multiple people ask me, does that mean that they're a false prophet? And I would say to you, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. Because we can look at their track record and see that most of the time when they have spoken and said, this is what I heard the Lord say, they've been on track, they've been right, and not only that, the words that they speak are pointing us to Jesus and leading us into a deeper relationship with Him. They're not pointing us to themselves, not pointing the, us to some idol, they're not pointing us anywhere else. They're, these words are pointing us to Jesus. That's how you know a, a true prophet from a false prophet. First John tells us this. Oops, I didn't write it down. Yes, I did. Verse John 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. But by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. It's a pretty simple litmus test. Was Jesus the Son of God? Is that what most of their prophetic utterance is about? Exalting Jesus? Leading us to Jesus? Teaching us about Jesus? Yes, then guess what? They're probably not a false prophet. They're probably just a mistaken prophet which happens because we are human beings. And I will also say this, there is a huge difference between Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets. Okay, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit rests on the entire church, which means that literally every believer can prophesy. 
at one time or another, or maybe all the time. That doesn't mean every believer sits in the office of prophet. We're not going to spend a lot of time breaking that out this morning. That's a Wednesday night discussion, okay? But that does mean that every, every believer can hear what Jesus is saying and then repeat it to someone else. Why? Because we talk to Jesus. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would fall on specific people at a specific time and give them the Word of God. And then He would lift off of them. And those prophets spoke utterances in the Old Testament says if somebody is proved to be a false prophet, they should be stoned. So I've had people say, shouldn't we be stoning these people? That No, that's not. There's a difference between Old Testament prophet and New Testament prophet. Are you with me? A false prophet's leading us away from Christ, teaching us to trust someone other than Christ. A true prophet is teaching us to trust in the Lord, but sometimes they might get some of the details wrong. And that's okay. One of the best ways to know if you should still continue to listen to that prophetic voice is if they had the humility to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I thought that's what I was hearing from the Lord. It's not what I was hearing from the Lord. Please forgive me for, for being mistaken. If they have the guts and the humility to get up in front of the, the whole church and do that, Boy, I trust them a lot more. I really do because Jesus had a lot of guts and a lot of humility. And that looks like the character of Christ to me. Amen? I have so much more to say, but we are out of time. So I'm going to save it for a Wednesday night. If you have any questions... about any of this or about any prophetic word that you might see or run across or whatever, I would love to hear from you. Give me a call. Send me an email. I will gladly pray through the, that prophetic word with you. I will gladly give you my, my response. I'm going to ask you not to be offended with me if you think it's from God and I don't. Or vice versa. Let's stand. I've been thinking for a few days about how, how do we respond to this particular moment? Because this, I really believe that this is what the Holy Spirit wanted us to do with our time this morning, was talk about this. But how do we respond? We always need to be called to respond in some way to what the Holy Spirit has been saying to us. So I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes. And I just want you to take one question before the Lord this morning, or one request. Lord, help me see help me see the areas of my life that I have not been receiving from you. Awaken me to gifts you wanted to give me that I have not been able to receive from you. Whether it's through another person or through the church itself. Holy Spirit, will you awaken me 
If there's any gift you've wanted to give me and I have not received it, will you show it to me now? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are good, that you are in our midst. And Lord, I ask right now that you would reveal in my own heart, just as, and I ask this for everyone in this room. If there are places where my pride or my unbelief or my believing a lie has walled me off from receiving something from you, Holy Spirit, I just pray you would make it clear to me this morning. Would you show me so I can repent and get myself out of the way so that your gift, your grace gift can come flowing into my life? Lord, if there's unforgiveness in my heart towards anyone, even towards you, Lord, bring it to the surface. Lord, if there's anger or resentment in my heart towards anyone or even towards you, show it to me. Lord, if there's pride that has kept me from receiving something that you want to give me, show me, forgive me, set me free. You are the giver of good gifts. And I'd like to receive them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can I bless you? I bless you in the mighty name of Jesus to have an amazing week. I bless you in the mighty name of Jesus to receive every gift that God has for you in this week. That the storehouses of His mercy, His love, and His compassion would pour out over you from this moment until I see you again next week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night.